Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Dusty Dines with your hosts, TJ Plogger and Mike Warfield. What's up, Mikey? How are you? <sighs> Not gonna, I'm a little sore still from yesterday. I mean... Play a good old 18 holes and uh, not a bad day, man. Tough course. Oh, <laughs> it was tough. It was tough. A lot of hills. A lot of hills, my man. Yeah, you know what? That one hole, it's a straight drop off. Can't even see the actual pin. And you're just like, well, hope for the best here. Dude, hope I tell you, know, we played this course and there was a hole literally, I'd say, 300 feet down off a cliff yeah can't even see the bottom you can't and then uh it's so funny though because all of a sudden you're like oh well i'm gonna crank this over and then all of a sudden you hit it and you're like what oh absolutely absolutely but uh ladies and gentlemen we have a special special guest today 2019 p hall hall of famer inductee jimmy vavona Hey guys, how's it going, TJ? How's it going, Mike? Welcome, Jimmy. How are you, brother? Very well. Thanks for having me. Great to be on with you guys. Hey, just finally, congratulations. Welcome, uh, welcome to the Hall of Fame. You know that's awesome. Very uh, much. You know, I have to tell you, I'm very appreciative to guys like uh, Charlie Yoder, who one of the founders of Pi Hoff, and uh, yeah, obviously, there's so many great players yep. in there. TJ, yep. you know, you played in that league for years also. So just to be nominated was a thrill, but then to be inducted was uh, really something special. I think I even made mention uh, the only wish that I have is that with so many great players who've traveled through that league and how the league is still growing now, I only hope that they'll actually induct more players at a particular time, because I would have gladly have gone in with players like John Panero and, and Steve Yingling. I mean, they were two great players, oh, great opponents, and uh, the ranks. So, but uh, I'm very happy about that. There's a there's a great honor, you know. It's uh, and I have to say, it, it's funny because you know I'm pretty old now. You know, I'm going to be 49 soon. And I see the way roller hockey has changed. See, so many of the kids today, TJ, they have no idea. When I grew can up we, playing can we roller touch, hockey, can we touch on in New York while you're at it? I mean, everybody. <laughs> well, sure, Kings Bay, but really, Fort Hamilton was yep. the league in New York. Matter of fact, you can make a legitimate argument that the Fort Hamilton roller hockey league was the best league in the nation going back to the 50s, the 60s, the 70s. And I played there in the late 80s and into the 90s. I mean, the, the Mullen brothers played there, and it was a treacherous league. God's honest truth. You know, they actually landed a helicopter on the rink because of the fights that used to break out from, you know, the, the teams that were there were all treacherous, you know, teams, but good hockey players. But – uh. If yep. you couldn't handle yourself, if you didn't have guts, TJ, you would have been in fine because you, know, <laughs> you could throw them. I know you're not shy about throwing them, but uh, they were going to test you. And I knew a lot of guys yeah. who are really talented players that they came to Fort Hamilton. All of a sudden, they got punched in the nose the first shift and uh, they had to work <laughs> on Sundays from there now. We never saw them again. <laughs> but... It was a special league, and, uh, you know, that's why I think I had a bit of an advantage because you play in a league like that. And, by the way, TJ, can you imagine me? I was about 170 pounds soaking wet with a brick in my hand, <laughs> wearing number 99 in that league, right? Yeah. Obviously, I wasn't the smartest guy you know, at age 19 to be doing that. But then I think that that league – got me ready to play in RHI because Royal Hockey International, we know the talent level was, you know, incredible. You had a lot of world-class players there, former NHL guys, guys that were on their way to the NHL and, you know, a lot of uh, also East Coast guys that, you know, they love to fight. 
And I tell the story. I think I told it in Richard Graham's book. Uh, you know, he has the wheelers, dealers, pucks and bucks, the stories of uh, roller hockey international, which is probably the greatest book yep. ever written about roller hockey. And I tell the story about how one of the other guys from Canada, you know, an East Coast League guy, um, he was trying to intimidate me on the faceoff. So he, you know, he came over and he deck and you know he's, he's trying to be mean and i looked at him with a straight face i said guys you know they used to threaten to shoot me where i played before this i said there's nothing you could do that's gonna scare me and the guy actually started laughing with me left me alone uh it's good stuff though a lot of great memories and uh you know one thing that i think people you and i can say tj got a long time. Yep. That you make throughout your travels, whether it's RHI, Major League Roller Hockey, and TJ, you and I both played in Notch Pro and Tour along the way. Yeah, and, and I and I and I know, touch really, on that you with play Mike all the, the time. Best in hockey like, plays in the world and, and, for years. And and when we started were... the podcast, I'm like, listen, man, it's like I can get I can get these guys on that you know that are high players, and it's like it's almost like I don't want to I don't want to speak for Mike. It's almost like yeah, right. And then when we started getting guys on, it's like holy shit, we're getting all these guys on. Because it's it's the friendship and bond that, that hockey brings, like you said. No, there's no question about it. And look, yep. we all knew that when we were on the rink, you know, we all had a job to do. And, you know, like, for instance, Mike, my job was to, uh, you know, set up goals and score goals and uh, – <laughs> His right. job was to like you know break my wrist with slashes, which he almost <laughs> did, and always let me know he was on the rink with me, <laughs> you know when we played against each other. But after after the games, it was all good, you know. It's uh, just a really tight knit community, and I think a lot of that goes TJ because you know when I played the game, I always realized that it was more than just about the. You know, inline hockey is somewhat of a cult sport. You know, there, there are still places, even though it's worldwide now, there are still some places where you can go and they matter. So I think that, you know, really uh, subconsciously, all of us knew, especially, you know, someone like me, I always wanted to try to grow the game and, you know, bring more people into the game. And I think that uh, people like, instance, Anthony Flynn. You know, Anthony Flynn does such a great job with kids and trying to get kids involved in the game because, you know, after a while, and I always say this, you may not have, you know, you may not have been done with hockey, but at some point in our lives, hockey unfortunately gets done with us because your body can't do it. And you want to make sure that there's a future to the game. Absolutely. Yeah, I'll tell you what, it's funny, though, because to touch on what you guys were talking about a little bit before where, you know, TJ has kind of let you know that he was always on the ice with you and, you know. I think, too. (laughs) It's anchor. It's anchor, Mike. Dude, yeah. Wow. It's much easier to play with TJ. Play again. (laughs) I'll say that because, look, I always give credit where credit's due. And uh, I'm not just saying this because he's on with us, but, you know, TJ shot rockets. And one of the good things about having TJ on your team is if he saw somebody giving you a little bit too much lumber, you you don't have to say anything to TJ. You know, TJ almost embraced that type of stuff, you know, where he would get involved. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I like having him on my team a lot more than I like having him against me. That's for sure. But, you know, getting back to someone like Charlie Yoder, you know, Charlie Yoder had, you know, his sons, CJ Yoder is one of the best players to ever play the game. Jamie is no slouch himself. He's an incredible defenseman. And, 
you look at what Charlie continues to do, you know, it's like a labor of love because he's not making millions of dollars trying to, you know, grow Pi High. And, yeah, they merged. You know, now I yeah. understand uh, Pi High and the AIHO are, are doing a merge together. So, you know, you have to have special people who enjoy the game and enjoy people watching the game for it to survive. And, you know, for decades now, that uh, that seems to be what's taking place. And I just hope it continues to grow and uh, hopefully gets even more recognition. I say it, I say it all the time, the Jimmy. It's, it's the right person needs to get their hands on all these, like, not all these pro leagues, but, you know, like, AIHL and PIHA, but I think the right person to do it will it'll it'll succeed like RHI, you know, like Timmy Tim McManus with State Wars, like guy's a gold mine, you know what I mean? He 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 loves the game, he does the right thing for the sport, and that's what we need to find somebody to make the pro leagues like. Yeah. Mike, hello. <laughs> Jimmy you there? Yeah, well, I'll tell you, I know Timmy okay. going back. <laughs> Holy fuck, man. Maybe this time I just, we'll, get, so we'll this, get it rolling. This is what we're going to do to the audience here. We're going to take the first part of the interview with Jimmy. We're going to piece it together and put it together with this part. We're going to add him on back onto the show, and hopefully this fucking works out. Either that or I'm just going to break anchor. Like, holy shit, man. Uh, here we go. Here we go. Round two. Round two. Just Farts. so you know, the guys he's talking about, he was inducted. His nominees were Jimmy, Steve Yingling, and Johnny Panero. Oh, I'm glad you heard that. No, I'm just, I know that. And then I, I'm looking at the PHA site now. And, you know, all, all four of us played with each other on I that. I was going to say, you fucking heard that from that? Oh, my no. God. Is like that, 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 and I was like, "Oh, okay, yeah." Jesus, Jimmy, you there? No. Is he there, Jimmy? I I hear you. Can you hear me? All right, stay in that spot. Go. Don't move. Don't. All right, I'm not moving. We'll get some aluminum foil. We'll put it above your head. <laughs> Hold it high. All right, you think so with modern like technology, was... we'd be okay. Unfortunately, not. Yeah, well. right? Jesus Christ. What so, I'm yeah, you guys is... were touching on Timmy McManus. Um, you know, obviously a great coach and great for the sport. I think it actually goes a little deeper than that. I think that if you had a mainstream sponsor yep. that would come in and throw some money at the sport so they're invested into it, I think a following would come and the following would then turn from a cult sport, which I've always said roller hockey is. It's a cult sport that a lot of great people are involved in, but it's a cult sport that unfortunately, you know, really taters on the point of finances, depending upon finances to, to keep it going. We, there's not, uh, a ton of money involved in it to where we can get the type of attention that the sport needs. Yeah. And certainly, can you imagine the people like Anthony Flynn and Timmy McManus and, you know, Charlie Yoder? Can you imagine what they would be able to do for the league if they had, you know, a viable budget to, you know, really implement their ideas? And then guys like you with podcasts that, you know, can really start to get the word around and people say, hey, yeah, I love this sport. My kid's involved because, you know, our sport is a great sport to play. Yeah, absolutely. And to, and to touch on that, it's it's almost like, you know, you have, you have Timmy McManus doing the, you know, Connecticut, New York area up there. And then you have Anthony Flynn doing Jersey, Pennsylvania, Delaware, mm -hmm. you know, in, in that area. And Anthony, Anthony's done great things for a sport. He has. Oh, great absolutely. Guy. Great yes. guy. You know, it's, and he, it, he's, he's, and he thinks like us. I want you to know, cause, because Anthony's my best friend. Yeah. And you know, he, he thinks like we do 
about the sport, mm. about the future of the sport. And that's why he's so great with kids yeah. and running programs. It's, I, I always say, I, I think he's the best organizer in the sport. You know, he's, he's personable. The, the parents are, you know, they flock to him. He certainly knows how to run organizations. You know, I played for Anthony um, in, in the uh, PIHA. You know, I actually left my Morristown Minutemen team, which that's where I hacked, you know, we got that, to the finals. That's where I hacked the shit out of you and your, your wrist. Yeah, that's, that's uh, I I think I still have a scar on my wrist, Mike. This freaking guy. I say, and how about this, Mike? Let me explain this to you, okay? Now, TJ had always been, you know, he's a little younger than me. Yeah. Always been so nice to me. Whenever he saw me, hey, Jimmy, how are you? Come over, shake my hand. I go, hey, kid, what's going on, TJ? Nice to see you, right? Mm-hmm. And then he lit Mike. This two-hander was like friggin' Paul Bunyan. My my right arm turned numb immediately, right? So li- listen to his excuse. He goes, and, you know, afterwards, because I went, I, you know, I actually cursed him on the rig. I was like, you know, I don't want to curse on your, on your podcast. You, you can. but It's fine. Oh, really? Yeah, go for so, it. I said, what the fuck are you doing, right? You fucking, fucking moron, I said to him, right? And then after the game, he comes up to me and he goes, no, actually, it might have been like in the third period of the game because he knew I was still like, you know, upset. And he said, look, Jimmy, he said, you know, I, I you know, I just, you know, I'm, I got to go after like, you know, the best player on the rink. He said, <laughs> he, said he, he said, and you're, the, you know, he said, you're the best player on the rink. And I said, I appreciate that, TJ. I said, you know, but I'd like to make sure that I have two limbs when I leave the rink. Is what I told him, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, did you buy a beer afterwards you know, or what well that wouldn't help me either because i don't drink i've never had a beer in my life but wow i, I think that uh, you. Listen, that, here's my philosophy when fuck he moved <laughs> tinfoil my my oh are you there Can yeah you we're good you're, go? good. Okay. you're good so my way of thinking is when I was 14 and 15 years old, I knew that the kids I was playing against on the weekend, you know, they'd be drinking beers already. Clock. On the rank. Yep. So I never, never, you know, still long done with hockey, unfortunately. Yeah. You know, I've never had a drink. I've never smoked a cigarette. Jimmy, go back to the spot where you were. Hey, Jimmy, how far are you from uh, Sean Avery? You should be his counselor. I'm just saying. (laughs) Fuck! Mike, you you're still there, right, Mike? Yep. <laughs> All right. I tell you, this is this is it's a good good interview with the guy, but the fucking source sucks. Yep. <sighs> fucking god damn it. You know, that was getting good too. You know what I mean? I was I was ready for that story. Fucking anchor, man. Yeah, I'll tell you what. It's it's one of those things that I just get so irritated when you know you hype something up. And then all of a sudden, it just goes to shit. Yep. Thank you, Anchor. I agree. But anyway, I so agree. I feel when like you... the go ahead. I feel like the biggest thing that for me with roller hockey and ice, dude, transitioning is so difficult. Just like your stops and starts are so different. Oh um, yeah, for sure. I said I want to try that Mars blade. Like that Mars blade would be sweet to use. Jimmy, you got to go to that spot where you were. Yep. <laughs> Can you guys hear me? Right there. Stay there. <laughs> Mike. Yes. Okay. So, to pick up, I don't know where I left off. Yeah, it's amazing. I have, like, one of the newest iPhones, but I'm in 
Queens right now. My son's playing an international tennis tournament, and there's freaking trees like all over the place. I, I feel like I'm in a question with bad grills can we, can in the forest right now. Can we touch on your son really so. quick? How What's that? old is he? Can we? How old is your son playing in that tennis tournament? He's ten, and uh, he plays in a lot of the major tournaments. Uh, you know, he plays in the uh, the national championships for boys twelve and under. And then he plays in the uh, in the internationals tennis championships, which is called the Little Mo um, Internationals. It's mm-hmm. it's an incredible event. And this is you'll get kids like when we were away in Florida for it last December, you had four hundred and sixty five kids from forty five different countries. So you'll Holy see smokes. you'll see the best kids in the world that will come to play this tournament and so today was in new york and uh he actually made it to the third round the quarterfinals he lost an absolute heartbreaker he uh he lost in the third set and what they do in the third set in tennis is in lieu of a full third set they do a 10 point tie break Mm -hmm. and he was up nine eight in that third set tie break and he set up the point so beautifully, and he stepped in to drill a forehand, and he literally missed the winning shot by a half an inch. Oh, it was out. Oh, oh. And oh, then he ended no. up losing the, uh, the tiebreak 11-9. So he was literally a half an inch away from getting into the semis. But you know, oh. the, the talent level is extraordinary. And um, How's he holding know, up? He's holding on. I mean, I, you know. I did tell him that this was, uh, you know, one more thing uh, that I can say. I still remain the best athlete in our family, so I don't think he was happy about that. No, I, I, didn't, I, I, didn't, I didn't say that. I didn't say that. So, it's, you know, I told him, I said, look, it's all part of the process. I said, you know, you're, you'll lose a match like this. I said, and, uh, you know, you're going to win plenty of matches where that shot falls for you. So, you know, it's uh, it's just such a great experience. But again, you know, you look at, and this is what I can tell you about Little Mo's. Little Mo's, the biggest kids' tournaments in the world, but they have sponsors. You know, Wilson's tennis balls are there. You know, like roller hockey, if mm-hmm. we had that type of sponsorship, you know, I mean, it would be, it would be even better for uh, for the players of today. No, absolutely. And like you said, if you can just find that one like mainline sponsorship to really just kind of help you guys out. Yeah. It, it, you know, it would really set things to another standard in a sense. Like you want to hire for the future and you know, you want to progress. So you just need Correct. to find that one sponsor that looks at your idea and your goals <laughs> and be like, right on, like I'm all for it. Right. Uh, and that's the uh, toughest part. Just getting sure a sponsor. Sure it is. Because, look, I'm going to tell you, you look at a lot of these kids that are playing today, and they're ridiculously talented. They do things that, you know, with the puck that, you know, I would never in a million years dream about doing. (laughs) And I will say, wait a second, but I I will say this, and I think we might have got cut off before this, but, and if if we didn't and you heard this, please stop me. But I said the one play, that I am absolutely 100% certain of that I brought to roller hockey. Oh, I, I already know this one. I already know it. I, okay. <laughs> you, you I mean, from go, what I understand now, from what I understand now, Mike, there are kids that are probably born, you know, like, you know, before, you know, the year, you know they're born years after I'm done playing. And I'm hearing that they're still calling it the Jimmy V play. You used and to I, do this and, play. And Jimmy, I use this. I, I use this on my power play sometimes in ice hockey. It is. And I'll tell you where I learned it from, but the play goes like this. And I, I'm telling you right now, uh, my forwards and TJ will attest to this, especially if you didn't know it was coming, it was an automatic goal. But the play was that, I would take the puck and I would start going around the net with the puck. And I learned how to get really far behind the net. And then I would toss it back out the other way, you know, the, you know, the way I came from mm-hmm. and the friggin' goaltenders and the defensemen would always shift to where the side I was coming out. 
Meanwhile, my freaking winger's got his hand in the air because he already scored the goal, right? <laughs> so, and, and it was – Anthony Flynn, TJ, you'll, you'll appreciate this. I came back to play a tournament like in 2011 or whatever it was, you know, after I had already retired. Mm-hmm. And a bunch of kids are at this tournament. And so I do the play with Nicky Demuyas, who you remember is still yep. an excellent player. So we do the play that we've done 100 times. And Nicky puts the puck in the empty net. And Anthony's watching right there. And one of the young kids goes, oh, wow, that guy just did the. And Anthony goes, <laughs> that's because that is Jimmy V. He says, right? <laughs> so Anthony got a chuckle on that. And I'm going to tell you where I got that play from. And this is how fanatical I was about trying to get better and trying to learn how to play the game the right way. And again, back then, you have to remember, Mike, roller hockey in the 1980s, this is before, you know, the inline skates and everything, right? Mm -hmm. But the play was done by Gretzky to Curry in the Stanley Cup. It was game number four in the second period when the Islanders swept them. And Gretzky was behind the net. The puck got shot around behind the net. And he lifted up Trottier's stick and caught it and started going out the other way to his backhand. And he flipped it back for Curry. Yeah. And Curry put it in the empty net. By the way, Trottier gave Gretzky a nasty slash. You'll probably look it up in the second period. And (laughs) Billy Smith was literally, like, looking over his shoulder in the other direction when Curry scored. And I said, oh, my God. I couldn't believe it. The next day, I grabbed Pepsi cans and Pepsi bottles, and I literally went to the rink, and I was doing that play for hours. So even though I plagiarized it from, you know, Wayne Gretzky, in the roller hockey circles, I still consider that my play. <laughs> Absolutely. I've been doing it since 1983. So I don't want any of these little shits that come start doing this play claiming it for their own. I always say that they should pay me a dollar for every time they score for infringing on my patents or at least give me a shout out. You know? Every time they say Jimmy V, that's a dollar. That's right. I'll take that instead of the dollar. At least at least keep my name alive in the sport a little bit. You know what's you know what's funny though is every time every time like we I want to touch on, you know, your growl Philadelphia growl days, but Okay. When you it was it was automatic, no matter what, when you and Sully were on the power play, that move was happening. Yeah. Hands down. Who who better to put it away than him? I actually I actually have one of them on tape where we did it. Yeah. And again, the you know the defenseman's on the wrong side. The the the, the friggin' the goalie's still looking probably to this day. Mm-hmm. And uh, the guy that was announcing the game goes, "Oh, that's too easy." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? But Sully knew right where to go for it. And I'm going to tell you something else. You know, and I you may call this a conspiracy theory, but Sully played with Bobby Ryan yep. in roller hockey, and they were good friends, yep. right? About seven or eight years ago, Bobby Ryan did that play in the NHL, right? (laughs) And he did it really, really well. And then all of a sudden, you're seeing other guys in the NHL that are doing it, right? I am absolutely convinced that Sullivan showed Bobby Ryan the Jimmy V play, and then he did it in the NHL. You know, where's my shout out for that? <laughs> you know, yeah, I didn't make the NHL, but my play does. You know, can you give me a shout out? Yes. Yeah. Tony may need a patent for it. Get it copyrighted. Yeah, I, I should have. And then, and then what I, what I want to bring up here is you had, and these stats are just ridiculous. Okay. Mike, Jimmy had 92 games played with the growl, right? Okay. Yeah. 176 assists. Jesus Christ. And that's it. This, this is all in 92 games. Yeah. And Wait. 227 points. Wait. Here's the funny what? part, though, Mike, and thank you for that. But the funny part was the year before playing with the uh, Morristown Minutemen. Yep. Yeah. And that's the year that I won the MVP and the scoring title when we got to the finals. Yep. And keep in mind, too, at that point, I was already starting to get old, right? With the Minutemen, I was 34. Then I left to the ground. I was 35, 36, 37. With the Minutemen that first year, 
in 19 games, I had 31 goals and 91 assists for 122. In 31 and I, games. And, yeah, and I, and I think, no, 19 games. Oh, 19, 19 games. games. Yeah. 19 games, 31 goals, and 91 assists for 122 oh, points. shit. I think I had four penalty minutes that year, which was the most I had. In 19 games. But you see, the advantage was, again, you know, there was a little bit of a block between when I played in Major League. In Major League, I had a sick... This is what pisses me off about Major League roller hockey, okay? <laughs> 1997, I come back. I played in RHI, 93, and I was going to play again in 1994, right? Yep. But the reason why I couldn't is because I was studying for the stockbroker's exam, and the RHI uh, league took place in the summertime, and I was scheduled to take the test for the uh, stockbroker's exam in August. And I'll be the first to admit that I am no Rhodes Scholar. So I had to study for months, right, to pass that exam. Right so Bob, Bobby Crawford was the, uh, the GM of the New Jersey Rock and Rolls. And I went to one of the skates, but I told him, I said, you know, realistically speaking, because in RHI, you know, it was very serious. They practice every day. You know, you couldn't just miss practices to study and stuff like that. So... I told them that I couldn't play and I didn't. But then when my business got established, uh, because I ended up passing the stockbroker's exam in 1997, I came back and I played in major league roller hockey. Joe Tamburino, who you probably know, yep. after, uh, after two games into the season had passed, okay. he said to me, he said, Jimmy, he said, you know, you know can, you, can you play? So I was like, all right, yeah, because I wasn't going to play because – at that point, you know, TJ will tell you, I mean, he's probably actually a little bit younger, but I was playing for Bauer a lot, and my brokerage firm had friggin' two or three different hockey teams. So before I lost my, you know, gorgeous fiance, I had to, you know, be around once in a while, but I said, okay, I'll play. So in that league, Mike, God's honest truth, eight games played, I had 15 goals and 37 assists for 52 points in eight games, right? And, yep, and they wiped it off of the score sheet as if it never existed because I read in Richard Graham's book that they had a problem, like, you know, in-house with the league, and I, I don't know exactly what took place, but they wiped that whole 1997 season off the books like it never took place. <laughs> so if you look on the Internet Hockey Database, I'm like, hey, where are my stats? I know I was there. Matter of fact, when I when I agreed to play with them, I played the first few games as number ninety seven because it was the mascots number because of ninety seven, mm-hmm. and then they got my ninety nine jersey made. So I played with two different numbers. But believe me when I tell you, I was there, and I'm still pissed to this day that it's not on the Internet Hockey Database. I just understand why that they would get rid of that. that that's just again, bullshit. Again, again, I think it has something. And I have to read Richard Graham's book again, but I think it had something to do, as it always does, you know, with money and whatnot and the partners and, you know, so. All politics bullshit. It's basically. all politics. Yeah. 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 Welcome but, to hockey. But that was such, and that was when I was in my prime because, you know, I, I was probably just turning about 27. Don't, year, don't, so. don't bullshit. Every time you played, you were in your prime. Yeah, uh, Jesus no, Christ, Jimmy, no, you can probably throw skates back on, still make me look like shit. So let's no, Mike, here's the thing, and this is what's so frustrating about getting older. I knew the last year that I played, like, oh, absolutely. You know, uh, he, he, here's the deal. I, I swear, and I'm not. Please, TJ, you know me yep. a long time. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not being. There were far better talented players that I played against. I mean, you look at the CJ Yodas and the Tony Zables and all those type of guys, just ridiculous. You know, they shoot friggin' bullets, everything. But the one thing that I will say is I don't think anybody really saw the rink as well as I did. And I, I, I used to see the rink really, really well and visualize where the play was going to go mm-hmm. before it happened. And my last year... I could see what was going to take place before it happened. I'll give you a perfect example. 
I remember this kid was going down the right side of the rink against us, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Now, TJ will tell you, uh, I wasn't about to win the Selkie Award anytime soon. So I'm coasting back into the defensive zone. <laughs> but I knew that this kid, when he shot the puck, because he never passed, he always tried to shoot for the far side, right? Yeah. So I started tilting way early towards the far side, figuring that this kid's going to shoot it around the boards and I'm going to be there and it's going to be a two-on-one, just like it always was throughout the years. Well, even though I knew it was going to happen beforehand, this time the frigging puck was out of reach and the defenseman just dumped it back in the zone. And I said to myself, oh, man, that's not a good sign. It's not like I was tired. I was out there at the beginning of the shift. So you see it developing but you still don't have the legs to get there. And what that does is it speeds up the game for mm-hmm. an older player, which is no good because you want the game to seem as slow as possible. And when you play like I did, because, you know, I had a good shot, but I didn't have a bomb shot like TJ and a lot of these other guys. So my game depended upon getting into spots on the rank where I could give myself three good options to make a play, right? I know I got one guy going to the net. I got another guy coming behind me and I could stop and hit the late guy, right? Yep. Well, when you start to get older, all of a sudden, three options turns into one. And the one option starts to disappear very quickly. The play starts to close. And, you know, that, that's age. You know, it's, uh, it happens to everyone. I, I, I think that the worst sport for that to happen is if you look at boxing, Mike, you know, these, these boxes go in, like, you know, give you a perfect example, like Ali when, you know, he had that great rivalry with Joe Frazier. Right. Yep. But after that fight, all of a sudden he's getting hit with shots and he couldn't get out of the way anymore. And the problem is with boxes is that even after they take that first beating, Every boxer convinces themselves that it was just a, you know, just an off night. And then when they go back for the second time, they take another horrible beating. So, you know, that to me is the cruelest uh, way to realize that the only undefeated person for the time has caught you. Yeah, and that's the issue. It's just age catches up to you after a while. You know, you think you can keep doing it and hang around with the younger guys and I'll tell you what, even me being like, you know, mid 20s, I noticed when I was younger, like 13, 14, I was just like, I had all the energy that, you know, I used to play soccer a lot. I used to play hockey all the time. And uh, when I quit playing soccer, I stopped running. I, you know, lazy habits developed basically. And when it came to me performing on the ice, like I noticed my stamina wasn't up to par. So, Mike, you son of a bitch, Mike. You just said in your mid-20s. Mm-hmm. TJ, do, do you have a stick in that freaking studio, whatever you guys got? Do me yep. a favor. Reach over and fucking chop Mike's wrist off, will you? Are you kidding me? Hey, listen, we're not doing the 2 by 4 again. Hey, we're, not doing, we're not doing the 2 by 4 again. But, yeah, no, it's just like with my habits I used to have younger, I should say, as a teenager, yeah. it's I noticed that, you know, with school and everything like that, I, I started to make more excuses on not to do things instead of just going out and doing it, you know. And now I'm, I'm past that habit. I go out and I, I'm more active and stuff like that. Fortunately, I only play right. men's league now and go uh, to tournaments every once in a while I play roller with. Uh, we just did right. an echo tournament, which was actually good. That was fun. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's two different uh, It's two different types of, uh, how do I say it, like stamina between ice and roller holy shit mm-hmm. so sure, much hotter sure. no, no no doubt about it i agree with you and that's why you know as players you have to appreciate the guys that really put a lot into it you know to make sure that they're prepared to play and i think that you know on the level that you know we used to play at it was you know you had to be yeah i mean there are some guys that are fortunate enough to be able to go, they could go out at three o'clock in the morning and drink all night and they come to the rink the next day. And, you know, I don't know how the hell they do it, but they're, you know, they're still scoring goals and playing great. But for, for the rest of us mortal ones, you know, you had to be, you know, prepared to play, prepared to play the game because winning was everything. And, um, you know, when my teams lost, you know, it used to bother me for days because I would go home and think about what, I could have done differently to help the team win. 
Yeah. You know, when when you won, it was like, okay, good, you know, next game. But you know, the losses stick with you. So you want to make sure that you're prepared to play as much as possible to give your team a shot to win all the time. And, you know? uh, and, that's... and I think that, you know what, on an NHL level, you know, I think TJ was telling me that is somebody who was giving you guys uh, a ridiculous argument about, you know, I don't know, Crosby being better than Gretzky or whatever. And you guys, uh, I can knock that down. I, I told you, Mike. Instantly. Let's hear it. Uh, let's I hear it, you, please. I, I'm ready for this. I mean, the balls on anyone to say that Gretzky, you know, wouldn't, you know, people say, oh, Gretzky, would he be able to play? Today? Let me tell you something. Wayne Gretzky, the way he played the game. And look, I understand the defensemen are better. Obviously, the goaltending is better. But let's look at the fact that Wayne Gretzky played with the best long-passing defenseman in the history of the game in Paul Coffey. Nobody threw a better breakout pass than Paul Coffey. Number seven, baby. Nicholas Lidstrom would be number two, and even he's far behind when it comes to the long passes. Now, there's no red line. You know, Gretzky's going to catch that pass, and everybody with the way they're flying now, the skaters are so much better. You know, Gretzky computes that in his genius head, and he'd be throwing friggin' area passes everywhere. Uh, there's no doubt in my mind that Gretzky would still lead the league in scoring today. Not to mention he would have a much better stick to use. You know, he was using that friggin' Titan TPM 2020 in his prime. <laughs> That's steel. Today, today, the friggin' sticks, you know, it, it's like tennis rackets. You know, my, my kid's tennis racket is light as a friggin' feather. So are the hockey sticks. Yep. The, the flex that you can get on the hockey sticks, you know, you can shoot off the wrong foot on a, you know, in the NHL right now with the sticks that they have and still get a good shot, a good quality shot off. You couldn't do that when Gretzky played. No. You know, the skates are way better. Everything is way better. The training is way better. Bottom line is, he's the smartest player to ever play. Look, in RHI, I played with a guy named Jim Magoo. He was Mario Lemieux's line mate on the Pittsburgh Penguins, right? Yep. So I asked him, I said, what was your game plan when you played Edmonton? The guy said, oh, fuck, you know, I stopped Gretzky. So in his Canadian accent. So I said, well... You know, how come every time Wayne played you, you know, he tagged you for three, four, five points? He said, you don't understand. He'd be standing next to Gretzky, and you thought everything was okay. He said, and then you would turn your head to see where the puck was, and when you turned back around, Wayne wasn't there. The puck was meeting him. It was as if he would disappear on the ice and magically reappear again. That's, in the right spot. That's just so cool to hear, though, like from that perspective, because no one really gets it. No one understands oh. how good he was back then. I'm, I'm not going to pretend like I knew because I'm, I'm only 94. So what I and what I said to Jimmy, as I said, his last year with New York, and I, I brought this up mm-hmm. earlier, early in the week, right? He in his 19th season in the NHL, he had 62 points. Right. Right. And I forget, I forget what the game amount was. I, I, what, do you remember, Mike? Yeah, no, hold on. Uh, I think uh, – I know he had uh, – was, was it nine goals and 53 assists, but he was hurt for part of the year. Um, I want to say – no, man. I, was it 58 games or it might have been the only – That was 70. Year. He had, in 70 yeah. games, he had nine goals and 53 assists. Right, nine goals, 53 assists. It was the only – year that he didn't average a point a year. Yep. Right? Okay. But now keep in mind, let's look at a couple years before. When he had ninety seven points, points, right? What do you have? No, ninety seven. What do you have? Twenty five and seventy two for ninety seven points. Yeah. In his first year with the Rangers. And then the following year he had ninety, right? Yep. Now keep in mind, his first year as a Ranger, and this is in the era, if you remember in the nineties, where there was tugging and holding. I mean that was dominating the league back then. Brett Hull and Mario Lemieux used to complain about that, that it was ruining the game. Yep. And Gretzky comes to New York, puts up 97 points, and made, who was it, Patrick Sundstrom look like friggin' a perennial goal scorer. 
<laughs> okay. Yep. Yeah. I think his last year he was playing with freaking a washed up John McClain, with all due respect to John McClain. Yep. Yeah. And uh, uh, not all that Kevin Stevens, you know? And so, <laughs> you know, I mean, let, let's put things in perspective. God forbid if the Rangers would have given him like they should have, like when Shanahan was available and they didn't get him. Yep. Can you imagine putting Brendan Shanahan on Gretzky's year, uh, line that first year? That would have been disgusting. Forget, he got them to the final four. You know, they lost to the Flyers in the playoffs that yeah, year. Baby. I have news for you. I'm sorry. The Rangers had no business being there. That was, 99 was insane. I mean, look at those Kings teams. Look what he did for guys like Mike Kruzielinski. It pisses me off when people say, oh, Gretzky's not the great. Let me tell you something. Name Gretzky's left wing, okay? Brett Callaghan was Gretzky's left wing. I can make a valid point that I had better hands than Brett Callaghan. (laughs) Okay? I mean, and, you know, he's turning these guys. Mike Kruzielinski scored over 40-some-odd goals with Gretzky. You know, Chris Contos was scoring goals like, you know, like he was a friggin' all-star when he was with Gretzky that first year in the Kings, and he started scoring goals all over the place in the playoffs. Chris Contos went to play for another team. I think he scored two goals in 30-some-odd games. And, he, you know, before they sent him away. I mean, it's, it's insane. There's nobody in the history of the game that thought out the game like Gretzky, and he gave 100% Every single night. And that's something with, with all due respect, Mario Lemieux didn't do. I mean, he puts, and I know he had injuries and stuff like that, but even before, Mario was smoking cigarettes, you know, put some games in the tank. You know, if he was in freaking Winnipeg in February, you think Mario wanted to be there? Nope. No. Gretzky, 100%. And I'll tell you why. Because his dad told him when he was a kid, that Gretzky was a great lacrosse player too. So Gretzky got done playing lacrosse one day and his dad was driving him to his hockey game. Right. Mm -hmm. And Gretzky at like, you know, 10 years old, you know, kind of like put a game in the tank. His dad didn't feel he gave a hundred percent. And his father told him, he said, Wayne, you can't do that. He said, you have to give it your best every single game. He said, people come from miles away to watch you play every day and you know you have to put out 100 percent. and he never forgot that and that that's why all throughout his nhl career and before that you know he always gave 100 percent. it's just that he played the game like such a freaking genius you know he wasn't available to be hit and for the most part you know he stayed away from major injuries you know until gary suda hit him cheap from behind i think in the uh 91 uh, Canada Cup. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I'm sorry. I don't give a shit what area you put him in. Wayne Gretzky is the greatest hockey player to ever lace up a pair of skates and would be today, too, because he would use the assets around him. You know, all these defensemen now, the defensemen are better. Well, that's good for Gretzky because when he played, you had maybe, you know, two or three defensemen that can join a play and create offense. You know, you give him five defensemen out of the six who can make a play offensively, Gretzky's going to use them. And, you know, nobody uses players around him better than Gretzky did. So he would be the best ever in any era. I'm convinced. I, honestly, I, I can't really disagree with that just because it's he was the one that, you know, set every single – how do I say it? He set basically a legacy to follow, and you know you have so many players that are trying to follow it. But it, it, Mike, it's, if you he can't. never scored a point, if he never scored a point in the NHL, I'm sorry, if he never scored a goal in the NHL, his 1963 assists would make him the NHL's all-time leading scorer. That's still on his assists alone. That's that's, Im- that's so impressive. That that's insane. I mean, you know. You can't look, Michael Jordan, obviously great player. Michael Jordan is not even the all time leading scorer of the NBA. You know, what Gretzky did for his sport, the way he dominated his sport, is unquestionably the most dominant of the four major sports you know, baseball, football, um, hockey, and basketball. There's nobody close. The only person who I would put 
in the same sentence with him is probably a person that a lot of people haven't heard of. His name was Edwin Moses. He was an Olympic runner and he won something like 85 straight races in a row, which is like over a 10 year period or something like that, which is insane. Also, I don't know the exact stats, but you know, he was dominant for, for a very long time, but you know, you have the, uh, the, the greatest player. And the mistake that the NHL made was that when Wayne was in his prime, the NHL didn't give him the notoriety. You have the freaking Babe Ruth of your league. You know, hot, the NHL was a cult sport at that point. It was, an, <laughs> you know, it was a friggin', uh, you know, a, thought of to be a Canadian sport. There weren't a lot of, uh, you know, American guys. Obviously, the American Olympic team, Miracle on Ice team, certainly helped hockey in the United States a bit. But, I mean, for the most part, you know, no Russians, you know, no, you know, no Czech guys. And, you know, the league didn't take advantage of the fact that they had this personable young kid that knows how to speak that is absolutely dominating. You know, I'm going to give you a, a story. My grandfather used to be the sports editor for the Daily News and then the New York Post for years. I mean, he's, he's a legendary uh in the newspaper industry. He was actually the youngest editor in the history of New York print media. His uh you know for newspapers. His name was Sal Girage. And in the early nineteen eighties, keep in mind again, no internet, you know, <laughs> no no social media or anything like that. But I was a Gretzky fan, right? I loved Gretzky because, you know, anytime I got a chance to watch him, I did I would save up my paper out money and my mother, God bless her, would let me go to Madison Square Garden on my own with the ticket just so I could watch this number 99 kid skate, you know, skate around against the Rangers. So here's the best Wayne Gretzky story you'll ever hear. Okay. Bar none. No one has a story like it. So (laughs) my grandfather, my grandfather was wondering why a New York kid like me, who's a Rangers fan, would have such an interest in this Wayne Gretzky kid. So Wayne Gretzky came to the Neville Hotel in the early 80s, like 1984, to do like some type of clinic with Larry Robinson and a bunch of guys. And my grandfather found out about it. And instead of handing the, uh, the, you know, handing out the assignment to someone else, he took it himself so he could meet Gretzky and do an interview on him. So he goes to the Neville Hotel and he does an interview on Gretzky. And Gretzky gives him a stick for me that I still have today. And it says, to Jimmy, you know, your, you know, best wishes, your pal, Wayne Gretzky. <laughs> so now it gets way better. I find out that Wayne Gretzky, a couple of weeks after that, is going to be throwing out the first ball at a Mets game. So my grandfather knew everybody. He had all kinds of connections at Shea Stadium, Madison Square Garden, everywhere because, you know, he's the sports guy. So I go down to where Gretzky was sitting, and I get right to Gretzky, and I go, hi, Mr. Gretzky. I said, you know, my name is Jimmy. I said, uh, you gave my grandfather a stick to give to me, you know, when he was interviewing you a couple of weeks ago. Gretzky goes, oh, sit down. Now I'm a little kid, like 13. He goes, sit down. Hang out with us. It was Gretzky, his girlfriend at the time, Vicky Moss. And so I start talking with Gretzky. <laughs> And he can't believe that a 13-year-old kid like me knows so much about the history of the game. I was talking to him about the 50s, the 60s, the 70s. I was talking to him about what Calgary was trying to do to them and everything. He couldn't believe it. So he actually took down my name and address. And he said, I'm going to keep in touch with you. And sure enough, a few weeks later, I get a handwritten letter from Gretzky in the mail, right? beautiful leather, nice to meet you, keep cheering for the Oilers, good luck to the Mets, sends me a picture to Jimmy, my number one New York fan, your pal Wayne Gretzky. And on the back of the number was his uh, phone number in Edmonton. So I called his phone number in Edmonton to let them know I got the stuff and say thank you. The secretary takes down my phone number and a few days later, I get a call at my house. I go, hello? He goes, hi, is Jimmy there? I go, yeah, this is Jimmy. He goes, hey, Jimmy, it's Gretz. I go, I- 
I'm sorry, what? He goes, it's me. He goes, it's Wayne. I went, oh, my God, you know, how are you? Right? Wayne Gretzky calls my house, right? So he says, Jimmy, he goes, it's so great to meet you. He goes, let me ask you, by any chance, do you get the chance to go to any Rangers games? I said, yeah, I go all the time whenever you're playing them. He goes, okay, listen, I don't have the NHL schedule because it wasn't out yet. He goes, find out when I'm playing the Rangers. He goes, and call this number a couple of weeks before, and I'll hook you up with uh, locker room passes and tickets, and you come hang out and meet the team. I said, oh, great, thank you so much. So sure enough, I called the number a couple of weeks before. But now it's game day, and I go to Madison Square Garden. And obviously the person that did it for Gretzky gave the tickets but forgot to leave the locker room passes after the game, right? Mm -hmm. So I go down to where the Hoyles locker room is, and I say, yeah, hi, my name is Jimmy. Wayne Gretzky is expecting me. The guard goes, no, 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 sorry, kid. You know, I I can't let you in. I said, no, he's really expecting me. God says, sorry, can't do anything for you. At that point, Peter Jennings, who I don't know if you guys are too young, Peter Jennings was the anchor for ABC News, right? The late Peter Jennings. And he was a Canadian guy, big hockey fan. And I knew my grandfather knows everybody, right? So as Peter Jennings is walking down the stairs, I said, hi, Mr. Jennings. I said, "Uh, my name is Jimmy. Sal Girard is my grandpa. And Peter Jennings goes, oh, sure. How's your grandpa doing? I said, oh, he's fine, Mr. Jennings. I said, but Mr. Jennings, I have a problem. I said, Wayne Gretzky is actually expecting me. But this guard won't let me through to go see him. And I could see the guard looking like, oh, you fucking kidding me, right? So Peter Jennings looks at the guard (laughs) and says, I think you could let my friend in, right? So the guard goes, oh, sure, Mr. Jennings, no problem, right? I'm sure the guy didn't want it on ABC News that it was him that turned me away from Wayne Gretzky, right? So Peter Jennings you know, gets me into the locker room. Sure enough, they open up the door and I see the guard talking to Gretzky. You know, there's some little kid Jimmy for you. Gretzky waves me in, and he starts introducing me to everybody. He introduces me to Dave Semenko. He calls over Semenko. He goes, no fucking way. He goes, Cement, come here. I want you to meet my friend Jimmy. Now, is he, so look is, up. is he an intimidating guy in person? Now, keep in mind, they're all freaking undressed. Grant Fuhr is freaking naked in the back of the <laughs> locker room. Messier walks by me in a towel. And that game, the Rangers beat the Oilers 4-2, right? Messier was pissed. He walks by me in a towel. Gretzky didn't even, like, like, pretend to see him because he knew that Messier was not in a talking mood. Messier walks, like, right by, pissed. So he calls over Semenko, and Semenko, I talk about intimidating. The guy, looked, he had a freaking square joint. Here I am, 13, I'm looking up at him. So he goes, Jimmy, goes, meet Semenko, right? He goes, Semenko, meet my little friend Jimmy, right? So I shake hands with him, and I look to Gretzky, and I go, Jeez, I'd hate to have to go with him. Semenko goes, too late, and grabs me by the shirt, starts shaking me back and forth. <laughs> Gretzky starts laughing his ass off. Right? It's so funny. And Paul Coffey, I had a great conversation with him, told him the, the type of game that Doug Harvey you know, created and Bobby Orr excelled in. I said, you know, I, I think that he's bringing it to a new level. Paul Coffey, before he left the locker room, actually came back to say goodbye because we had such a cool conversation. So Gretzky was getting ready to, you know, to leave. And I said, Wayne, I said, you know, thank you so much. You know, I, I really appreciate, you know, I'll never forget this. I really appreciate it. He said, Oh, no problem, Jimmy. It was great to see you. Years later, when he went to LA, I saw him again in New Jersey and I had the letter that he wrote me. And I said, Gretz, now I'm 18. So I'm obviously much taller and everything. And there were all kinds of people around them, like, you know, autograph hawkers, whatnot, trying to get them to sign a million things. And I said, Gretzky, I don't know if you remember me. My name's Jimmy. I met you at Shea Stadium. And he stopped, stopped signing. And he looked up and he went, wow, you grew up, huh? I said, yeah. And I said, I just want to thank you so much for what you did. I'll never forget it. And he said, he said, no, you're a great kid, Jimmy. And like, you know, and I shook his hand and everything. And then later on, I saw him again. At the U.S. Open, the tennis matches, and um, you know, I said, "Gretz, I said, do you remember me?" You know, Shea Stadium, and he goes, "Jimmy," he said, 
You may not believe me. Now, keep in mind, this is a guy that knows millions of people, right? He's the, he's the most popular person in the history of Canada. Mm. Bar, bar, never mind Celine, Celine Dion. <laughs> right? So he, he, and when I said that to him, he said, you may not believe me. He said, but I remember doing that 100%. And then he brings over his wife, Janet. He goes, Janet, come over. I want you to meet my friend, Jimmy. So I met Janet and the kids. And then, uh, then he, uh, even the time after that, um, you know, I had his, uh, his email. So uh, when he was coming to New York, I knew he was coming to New York. And I, you know, I never had my kids. They were too small at that point, you know, to meet him. But then my son got a little bit bigger. And when I found out that he was coming to, uh, to Brooklyn, um, sure enough, he came in the back. And, you know, he came to me. And you know, as soon as he saw me, I said, you know, Again, because every time I see him, I still say, hey, Gretz, you know, Jimmy, Shea Stadium. Just so he'll know. Yeah. I mean, yeah, absolutely. You know, look, the reality is, you know, I've gained a million pounds since I've seen him, too. I wouldn't recognize me again, right? So uh, he came and, you know, like everybody got cleared away. And I was hanging out when we were talking for like 10 or 15 minutes. And I said, Gretz, I said, you better get in there. There's a ring full of people that are waiting for you. And uh, he said, all right, Jimmy. He said, you know, I'll talk to you soon. You know, take care. So whenever he comes to New York, oh, funny thing. I think it was Adam Steele. You, you guys probably know who yeah, he we is, had Yeah, right? we had Adam on for an episode. Yep. Okay. So Adam, about six months after I met Gretzky in New York with my family, Adam was refereeing at his fantasy camp. Yeah. And Adam said to Gretzky, he said, Gretzky, he said, you know, I don't know if, you know, you know, he just, you know my friend Jimmy V from New York he says you know he knows you and Gretzky looked at him and goes oh yeah I know Jimmy I was just with his family a few months ago in Brooklyn right <laughs> and Adam was like oh well, I know Jimmy for years too you know? yeah. <laughs> so it was really really cool was, uh, that's my Gretzky story I think that's pretty unique you know awesome. that, that's just an awesome story yeah, that was giving me chills just like damn you know, you got Gretzky calling you, and I can't even get my mom to pick up her phone for me. So, <laughs> you know, it's it's a great way how that works. You, brother. Just... I hear you, brother. But listen, I think what you guys are doing with the podcast and everything, um, I see, I've seen the guests that you have, and I think it's, you know, I think it's great for, you know, really for everything. And you, you guys do a great job. So, you know, it was really an honor to be on with you guys no, it's, and uh, it's awesome dude. a hell of a lot of fun it's so, awesome man. yeah jimmy thanks I, for coming on man your stories are uh, a1 i love them uh, uh it's my pleasure you know if you guys have me on again in the future I'll, i'm sure i'll be able to remember some more i'm gonna jet because my son actually has a doubles match coming up all right but uh hey good you know, luck please guys wish keep in touch luck. okay yeah, wish him luck thanks jimmy we appreciate See you, jimmy. it jimmy thank you brother all right guys take care yeah. and uh mike if you if you get a chance just give TJ one little slash on the wrist <laughs> from me, all right? I got it for you, Jimmy. <laughs> See you guys See later. Bye-bye. Oh, my God. Beauty. Absolute beauty. Awesome. I, I, I just wish the first part went well, and I, uh, I'm i going to try to cut cut some of it in and out so uh, we can connect it together. But that was uh, 2019 PHA Hall of Fame inductee. Jimmy Vavona, uh, RHI player. The, the guy's a legend. Oh, absolutely, you know, I've, man. I've, I've played with and against, you know, guys that played in the NHL, that play in the NHL now and hands down most professional. Jimmy's the most professional guy I've ever played with and against. Yeah. I'll tell you what, man. And he's just super nice. At the guy, For the fact that he doesn't even drink or never has no. or has drank. That's impressive. And what's, oh, me, and what's, what's, What's funny is, is like we, when we went out, like tournaments and stuff, he'd come out with us drinking a Coke, you know, and he'd be one of the guys, you know what I mean? And, and, and to touch on, I'll touch on this real quick and then we can mm-hmm. get off here, is we went out one night and we, it was a group of guys and stuff and everybody was like, oh, we're, what are you guys doing here? And we're like, oh, we're hockey players. And I, I shit you not, Jimmy goes, yeah, we're professional hockey players. And like, oh, who do you play for? And he's like, oh, the Hartford Wolfpack. And I'll never forget that line and we all look at each other like yeah yeah we play for the hard for Wolfpack." oh <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but he just it was a one-liner man he came out with it so quick and i'm like okay <laughs> we're going with it it's happening boys sorry out let it yep. happen yep 
Hey, so real quick before we get off here, let's talk about our sponsors. So, of course, we have Goodwood Hockey with us. Goodwood's been with us since our first, second podcast. Uh, Kelly's a phenomenal sponsor. She's just been nothing but respectful and always looking out for us and nothing and the game as well. So um, she's partnered up with John Chiavo. Of course, everyone should know that by now. But if you guys want to go and check out their site, it's goodwoodhockey.com. John just came out with a new T-shirt line called Rep the Game. T-shirts are going for 25 bucks right now, but if you use the promo code GONGSHOW10, it'll give you 10% off your entire order from Dusty Dimes. So, again, go to goodwoodhockey.com. Let, let us know what you guys think. And, of course, you can't forget about our boys at Bear Beards. If you guys go to Bear Beards on Facebook, uh, you can leave a review, talk to them personally. Um, if you guys want to purchase anything, go to etsy.com and look up B-A-R-E Beards. Um, they have everything from your beer oils, uh, bombs, combs, uh, T-shirts. They also have chapstick. They have any type of merchandise you guys need. So, again, go to Etsy.com, type in Bear Beards, and let us know what you guys think. Also, we like to give a shout-out to our sponsor, AT8 Hockey. AT8 Hockey, great stick that they, uh, they, got, they got out now. Uh, also, they have gloves, hats, shirts, uh, like under – under Armour shirts that you guys can purchase as well. Go check them out on AT8 Hockey on Facebook and Instagram. Also, shout out to our sponsor, Rink Rat Hockey. Rink Rat Hockey with the wheels, uh, best line, best wheel in the in the game. Uh, go give them a follow at Rink Rat Hockey on Instagram and Facebook as well. And if you're gonna buy wheels from them, use the code Dusty Dimes. And last but not least, uh, Dangle Productions. Then go give them a follow on Instagram and Facebook as well at Dangle Productions. They'll supply you with your jersey needs, whatever you need. Great prices. Good guys. Uh, go give them a follow. Other than that, if you uh, you got anything else to teach? I'm good, man. Uh, just taking the legend to hockey tonight. Oh, man. I hope he does good, man. Yep. Uh, other than that, stay dusty. Stay dusty, ladies and gents. <laughs>